It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist editor with Rick Roaring. Each week, we look at the sports topics locally, nationally. We've got a gambling segment, of course, with the Super Bowl. We're, of course, going to have a gambling segment with some prop bets involved. And our favorite uh, segment of the show, where you can ask me a question on any topic, ask Skinny anything. I've got another ranking that I had to do this week that I love um, that actually is going to involve a guy, I think, incorrectly asking a question in that regard, which is fine. But then I've got a story about the guy he asked about that he's wrong about. So you'll have to stay tuned for that if that's not confusing enough. Did that confuse you, Rick Brewing? No, it didn't confuse me at all. I'm just locked in on the betting segment where I'm trying to get a <laughs> mental edge on you because, again, after – 200 and some odd picks we are somehow tied dead even heading that's into incredible. the super bowl that so. really is incredible that that's almost stunning to be honest with you <laughs> it really is and we were like in the same exact situation last year too it's it's ridiculous it just is but all right let's jump into it kentucky lost again wednesday night against missouri 75 to 70 and once again head coach john calipari's comments about one of his players was the talk after the game about Terrence Clark, who didn't make the trip with the team, missing his ninth straight game with an injury, Calipari said, quote, after five weeks, you're still limping, and there's nothing wrong. There's no MRI. There's nothing there. But players know their pain and what their pain threshold is. So if he's limping around, I'm not going to play him. Skinny, I'll ask you, did you take Calipari's comments as a shot at Terrence Clark? Well, sure. I mean, it's a shot at Terrence Clark, but it doesn't bother me. Because, listen, you, first off, you trust the doctors, right? I mean, that you have to as a coach anymore, especially from a legal perspective. So you take every precaution through the doctors, through an MRI, no structural issues. And then at that point, it's kind of a he said, she said. If the kid says he's hurt and he's maybe not giving all that effort in practice and you don't think he's hurt, and he, then it's a pretty simple process. Then you just don't play. And I think that's where we're at with this of, listen, dude, either, you are, either you're in or you're out. And, and I think Cal's at the stage where he doesn't believe whatever it is he thinks he's hurt from because of all the checks to the doctors. So I think he's at the point of no return of, listen, I'm going to give you about one more week. And if you're out, well, then you're out. And we'll just call it a year. I mean, it's been one of those things. You're moving on probably anyway. We'll move on without you and, and let bygones be by. I mean, really, I think that's where we're at. So I, I know, listen, you know me and people who listen to this know that I'm not a, a, a huge Cal supporter fan, et cetera. Um, and I think he's extraordinarily overrated, in my opinion, on this one. I don't really have a problem with it. I think, yes, to answer your question, I think he, you know, he, he did call the kid out, but you know what? <laughs> I think you're at that point of doctors say you're okay. So if you, if you don't think, okay, then I'm done with it and you're done with it. And let's just move forward with it. And I need to explain to the fan base where things are without completely saying this kid's quit on us. I think that's exactly what is it. That's saying this kid quit on us without saying this kid quit on us. This one was weird to me because I, I, I guess I kind of agree with you. I, it, it's definitely a call out, at least to a certain extent. At the same time, I don't know that I feel Calipari's crossing any lines here, and I don't really right. understand the huge controversy after the game. For for one point, well, because they're five and eleven. Let, let, let's get that clear too. Yeah, of course, of course. But this is more like I don't care what UK fans say. It's not like I'm listening to the post game call in show or reading BBN's Twitter accounts. This is more like. All the national media members I see tweeting about it after the game, making a huge deal out of it, acting like Cal is just throwing his players under the bus left and right. And going back to the Cameron Fletcher situation earlier in the season, which I did think Cal maybe crossed the line and, and did something that he normally wouldn't do and really threw one of his players under the bus. 
I don't find this to be the same type of thing. I feel like what he said here was an honest read of the situation at this point. I mean, this is extended period. He's missed nine games. You know, this is not a normal injury situation unless you have a torn ACL or something that requires surgery. You're typically going to be back from any injury at this point. So, and, and, and Rick, I think the frustration level too is, is Cal had kind of thought he had a fix with him as the point guard, or at least playing the point guard spot. It felt like and at the time they were starting to play pretty well, and it felt like, okay, maybe this is the fix you needed is he plays the point spot or at least controls the offense, and the offense goes through him. And then suddenly he doesn't either. He just he doesn't play. So I, I think there's a frustration level there too. Yeah, and I, I understand that, but I don't even think to get into the basketball side of it. I think just from like the – is Cal crossing a line with his players and throw them under the bus standpoint? I don't think on this one. I just don't think this is an egregious statement that he made. It's again, you would expect any player to return from injury by this amount of time, unless it was structural damage, an ACL tear, something that requires surgery. I mean, it's a but, significant injury, but, which but you, none of this is showing up on MRIs or in the doctor's opinion. So for Cal to just simply put it out there of like, hey, we don't. We don't know what's wrong other than he's dealing with a lot of pain. So if he can't play after this weekend, we may just have to realize we're not going to get him back the rest of the season. To me, that's more what Cal was saying. And I also think, look, Cal is supremely honest about this stuff at all times the other way. You know, when he's when he's talking about I don't care about winning basketball games as much as I do getting these players to the NBA and helping them achieve their dreams. And he's very honest about how he runs his program. It's okay for him to be honest about the other side of it, too, of we run a one-and-done factory. This guy is worried about his draft stock. He seems to be kind of quitting on us here. Like, that's the other side of this, and I don't really have a problem with him showing that to us a little bit. But you know what? This, this, is, also, this is also the damning portion of the way athletics, and especially college athletics, is covered anymore. You know one way for a little more transparency on this subject? How about we hear from Terrence Clark? How about he's made available? You know, in the day, you just walk up to the locker and talk to the kid and go, what's going on, man? And, and yeah, you, I know that's where teams want to want to quell some of that, but that's where you get some transparency to the situation. Um, you know, maybe the kid says, you know what? I, I hate my role. I, I don't like the way thing. I, I just don't want to play. Or maybe he says, man, I'm hurt. I don't care what they say. I, I've gone, I know I've gone to the doctors. So I, I think it's the way that, that things are so cloistered anymore. And you get, you know, one kid on a zoom who's going to say all the right things. It's like the Bengals. I mean, you know, you back when the locker room was open, you could mine the locker room. This year, it was literally here are the guys on Zoom. You're not getting anything special. You're not getting anything great. You're not getting anything exclusive. So, um, you know, and I think that's where college sports are with this stuff. So, um, I, I think part of that's just the way college sports is covered. There's no, there's little to no transparency. And now Cal is being transparent, and we don't want to hear it. And and again, I just. I don't think anything he said was too out of line. Now, I do think there was some insinuation there that Clark might be quitting on the team and he might not be coming back at all. But I didn't think Cal even sounded too mad about that. He was just kind of stating it as a fact of like, look, there there doesn't seem to be surgery and he's not coming back by this point. So what are we to take that as? I I don't know that he's coming back this year and that's great. We wish him the best. I, I think that's a totally fair comment at this point by the head coach. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. 
All right, let's move on. Xavier got back into action on Saturday and then was immediately shut back down for its next two games, but not before the Musketeers picked up a 68-55 win at Butler. Xavier now sits at 11-2 overall and 4-2 in Big East play, which would make them third in the conference standings based on winning percentage behind Villanova, who's 6-1, and and Creighton, who's 9-4. and Skinny, do you think Xavier is legitimately a top three team in the Big East? Or has the favorable schedule and lack of games prevented the Musketeers from getting exposed to this point? Yeah, I think the potential is and was for them to be a top three team in the Big East. Um, but, you know, the fact that that they've missed both Villanova games, they've missed a return trip to Seton Hall, they've missed a game at UConn. And, and I think you're pretty, the one thing you're pretty realistic about Xavier, that's why I, I you're not a homer by any stretch of the imagination. I think you'd agree if Xavier went, two and two in that stretch, it would be great if they went one and three, you'd survive with it. And so let's just say they would have gone one and three. And yes, I do know they had the Georgetown game postponed in, in, in that mix too. So I'll, I'll give them a win. So let's just say out of the group, I just said that's, that's two and three, that would make them six and five and put them just around Seton hall territory for fifth. That's probably where they are. Right. I mean, um, yeah, that's probably where they are. Yeah, I, that that's how I've looked at this as well. I and, and I had a friend of mine that said, said, you know what? At this stage, to hell with even trying to make up the Novas in the in the return trip to Seton Hall. Let's just play the schedule out and see where we fall and be done with it. Well, exactly right. And the thing you start worrying about is because you're clearly not going to play anything close to your full Big East round robin at this point, you do worry about getting cherry-picked in terms of, oh, well, if we're not going to play all of them, you certainly don't want to play Nova or right. Nova twice. And, and, the, you know, and, the, and the return trip to Seton Hall. Seton Hall. Yeah. I mean, the Creighton, get, there's there's all these games up at the top of the conference that you'd rather not play if you're not going to play Butler, DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, you know, what have you. So I, I still see it as being tears in the conference, but I do think there's been some separation. I think you got Villanova and Creighton at the top. If you want to separate those two into their own and, tiers, and, and, that's and, and, fine. And it, it's fine, but even those two last night, I mean, Creighton loses at home to Georgetown, and, and uh, Nova gets boat raced at St. John's. Right, and it's Nova's first loss in the conference. You know, it's it was at Carneseca. So there's there's it's okay to lose a game occasionally. It's not the end of the world for no, either sure. one of those teams. I don't think it changes a whole lot. They're clearly the best two teams. Yeah, I don't know if I'm putting Creighton there. I think I'm putting Nova by itself, and Creighton's in the next tier with Xavier and UConn. Maybe. I mean, maybe. I just think they're more consistent than than those next teams. But I have Xavier, UConn, and Seton Hall in their own tier after that. Yes. I think those yeah. three teams are kind of similar. And so to say that Xavier is the third best team, uh, you know, honestly, when the season started, I wouldn't have said that. I thought they were more along the lines of towards the bottom of that next tier of UConn, Seton Hall, Providence, Marquette before the season started. And as things have gone on, I mean, Marquette's doing all types of Marquette things, and yes. Wojo's looking like Wojo, coach of the year, or or lack thereof. It's and the floor. yeah, exactly. And you know, St. St. John's is playing a little bit better, but I don't think they're up in that top group. So I think Xavier, UConn, Seton Hall are kind of that next year that have separated themselves. And I could go any which way with those three teams. I think they're all very similar. Depends on what night you catch them. So anywhere from third to fifth feels about right for me with the Xavier team and where they're at in the Big East Conference right now. So I've actually gotten a little bit higher on this team as we've gone, yet at the same time, I 
I could still see them easily being around a 500 team in Big East play if they I had to play the full round robin. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I I cut you off there. And yes, that that I, I, that was the caveat to that because here's what they've got left, and it's conceivable. It's not going to happen, mind you, but it's conceivable they win out. Conceivable. DePaul and UConn at home starting next week. At St. John's, Butler at home, at Providence, Creighton at home, at Georgetown, at Marquette. Not likely. I mean, it's just hard to do it in this league, no matter, you know, especially, you know, winning multiple games on the road. But it's conceivable. And you look up, let's just say they lose two of those, right? And they finish, how many is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Let's say they go six and two. Finish up 17 and four. And I know the net's going to be all wonky and the, and the, and the metrics are going to be all wonky, but 17 and four and maybe second in the big East, that's got to be a top five seed, doesn't it? Well, that's, that's a good question. I don't know that it has to be a top five seed. I tell you what, a win over UConn, even though it would be a, a home win oh, or, yeah. or Creighton same way. Uh, those two would be big because right now Xavier is basically hanging their hat on. They have a win over Oklahoma, which I don't know what they're in the net. I, I don't keep up with the net rankings. Well uh, enough, 20th in Ken Palm right now. Yeah. Give me, so. give me two seconds. I can look up the net unless it's not been updated. So keep talking. But yeah, I mean, so Oklahoma is 20th in the net. You've got UConn or I mean, at in Ken Palm, UConn sitting at 29 Creighton sitting at 19. So you'd like to see them pick up another quote unquote marquee win down the stretch, I guess. But Put it this way. I think Xavier is sitting in a really good spot in terms of their NCAA seating, even though we don't really know how the selection committee is going to handle a lack of games. I think because uh, Oklahoma, by the way, is 18 in the net. And just for the record, Colgate is 15 and Drake is nine, just in case you're, you're wondering. Yeah, it's why I don't really pay attention to the net at this point. But at the end of the day, that will be the uh, grouping method that they use so Xavier's 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 33 in the net at the moment so I mean that's a pretty good spot to be if you can Creighton's right below them Creighton's 34 so that's a pretty good spot to be um if you can win those games we just talked about yeah it's Xavier is just in such a weird spot because they did a great job of not losing those early non-conference games that seemed 50 50 you know the Bradley game could have gone either way Toledo was close you had Eastern Eastern is another good one that that was close. And, 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 and they're actually pretty good. Yeah. And then once you got into a uh, conference play, you obviously were able to pull out the, the Marquette game. You were able to pull out the Providence game on end of game situations. So you've done a good job of winning the close ones that could have gone either way. And so you don't have this blemish on your resume, any blemishes, really. Creighton and Seton Hall, your only two losses, nothing to nothing to worry about there but you don't have much to look at in terms of wins. You basically just have that Oklahoma win. The next best win is a win over Toledo at home. I, Rick, and I know, I know you said you're not looking at the net yet, and that's fair, and I, I fully understand it. But, bro, we're, we're a month out from Selection Sunday, basically. I mean, it, we're, we're getting down there, and I just don't know how the metrics are going to shape out for anybody and how the Selection Committee is going to, to, to balance all the different things, including, like, the, 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 the non- normal round robin in a league like this where you look up and Xavier's missing a handful of marquee games. You can't penalize them for that, can you? You can't say, well, they didn't play Nova. Well, how do I not know they could have beaten Nova? That's right. And I I don't know exactly how they do handle that. I think they can penalize Xavier for not playing a full schedule. I, I don't know how else to go about it. Someone is going to get screwed to a certain extent in all of this stuff. And it wouldn't surprise me if Xavier playing a few less games means that 
they don't have quite the resume that they might have otherwise had the opportunity for. And so they they drop down a few seed lines. But yeah, you just you just remember right now, number three seed Drake. You just chew, chew on <laughs> that for a moment. Yeah, that's that's not really a concern for me. That's <laughs> Not, not how I want to use the uh, the net. Personally. Good call. Good call. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's just the, the whole NCAA tournament selection Sunday conversation is going to be an interesting one to be had as we get closer to that time yep. because of all these weird situations like Xavier. And as we go along, there are teams who have played more games than I think we expected, especially when you're looking at the SEC or uh, the Big Ten. But there are still a lot of weird situations out there for a lot of teams that are going to be either expected to be in the tournament or on the bubble. Yeah, no, no, no question. And we still don't know the status of conference tournaments. I mean, I know they're trying to move forward as best as possible. Um, the big 10 this morning before we started this podcast is, has moved its tournament to Indy. So I think, I think plans are moving forward and, you know, I still, we're still a ways away from, t- from decisions being made there, but um, I think that's going to make for interesting conversation because, as you know, each year there's you know, what three to five, maybe more spots taken by teams that that win a conference tournament that weren't supposed to and weren't in when they before they won it. So, um, yeah, it, it's a lot. But I mean, it's funny. Like I said, when I look up, we're not all that way. We're not November 3rd anymore, man. We're a month away. So, I mean, you're getting to the point of it's about to be you are what you are. It's quickly approaching. And uh, on the point about conference tournaments, I had talked a lot on our Sunday podcast about how I was concerned that they may not be played at all. And I was starting to lean that way. And a lot of that had to do with the concerns I was hearing from lower and mid-major coaches and staffers that I'm friends with or talk to throughout the course of the season. Interestingly, you know, last week as I was hearing this stuff from those levels and then I'm asking the people I know at the high major level, people at the high major level are telling me, well, anything could happen at this point. I don't know. That's quite possible. Everything gets canceled. All of a sudden this week, I'm having those same conversations. And, and after I'd come out and said, well, it's, I think these things might be canceled. My contacts at high major schools are telling me this week, well, no chance on our level. We just got the word from our presidents and the heads of our conferences that we are going to play a conference tournament no matter what. So, which makes sense. I mean, there's a lot of money on the line for those big tournaments uh, in terms of TV money. And there's a lot of potential NCAA credits on the line. Yeah. That's if they the, can that's send extra the, right. teams. That's, so they're not going to give up any extra opportunity to send more teams to the tournament. And, and Rick, I think for the smaller leagues like the horizon, um, cause I, I can't remember if the, if they sent the pairings out, which was really not pairings, but they sent the brackets out. Was it Monday or Friday? They sent them out one day last week. Just yeah, to last say, week. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I think if you had to make an adjustment for a league like that, maybe you you play everything campus site until the semis. And I think that's what the horizon that's does anyway. Yeah. And then you're you're talking four teams are in one site for two days. Is it really that much exposure for that period of time? Really? Yeah. Well, I think there's the other side of it was what's the money situation. Do you sure. get enough money from having that like one or two games on ESPN two? You're, I think the semifinals and the finals, and finals are maybe played right. on ESPN two. Right. Do you get enough off of that to host not only your tournament, but also a women's tournament with no fans in it where you're not making any of that money back for some of the smaller leagues? I don't know what the answer to that is. And maybe it's a money thing as much as it is. Well, I think it should be. No, no, no. And I think it should be. I think, I mean, if, if you can't make the finances work, if the, if the TV money allows you to basically break even, you throw some sponsorship dollars in there that help you get ahead. And you have a handful of fans, a thousand fans, whatever the number is in there that allows you to make even more then go for it. If not, then sorry, you're the, 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 the regular season winner goes. And, And that's just the year that it has to be that way. 
Yeah. So I guess where I'm at now is I could still see some of the smaller and mid-major conferences sending their, their regular season champs and just saying we, we can't do it. But I'm no longer worried about the mass domino effect of everyone's just going to start canceling. So I definitely think there will be high major. Conference now, 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 now the, the interesting one to me is, do you think there'll be any opt outs from teams like the teams that go, you know what? We suck. Let's just be done with this. We're not going to play. Well, I heard it like in the American, they're already, they've already sent out warnings to everyone and let them know, Hey, it, it is against our bylaws or whatever the rules of their conference are to opt out of the conference tournament for a team right, well, like Houston, well, for instance. I, I got three contact tracings. We don't think we can play. And th- that's the issue, right? Is there is a way to opt out of this without saying sure. you're opting out. Sure. So it's going to be interesting, and that's that's a good point you bring up. All right, let's switch, switch gears one more time before we get to some Super Bowl talk and our betting segment. And we want to talk about baseball and the Reds. They acquired a shortstop, sort of. The team sort picked of. up Kyle Holder. In a trade with the Philadelphia Phillies, Holder 26 was taken in the Rule 5 draft by the Phillies this year after spending six years in the Yankees organization. This happened after the last available free agency shortstop on the market that was worth anything, D.D. Gregorius, re-signed with the Phillies for two years, $28 million. Skinny, first, how big of a miss was this for the Reds? And then what's next at this point? Yeah, I I don't think it is a big miss. I mean, I I just don't think it's worth signing D.D. Gregorius for that kind of money. Um, and I wrote a column over the weekend and I'm going to stand by it where I think the fact that the Reds did nothing this off season actually means they did something that they didn't tear things down. And I even said they have one more move to make and it feels so logical, so easy, so simplistic. And that's to make a trade with the Cleveland Indians for Ahmed Rosario. And usually I don't piggyback off national stories like that. I usually think they're fly by night and just to throw something against the wall, but all the things make sense. Cleveland needs outfielders. Reds have a glut of outfielders. Um, kids, kid makes 2.5 mil. Well, well under the, the, the threshold of what the Reds should be probably willing to pay at this point. Um, production wise, I would invite anybody who's thinking, you know, Didi Gregorius at, at the same age, Didi Gregorius was a, was a barely into the 600s OPS guy. This kid's a career 710 OPS. He's already better than Didi Gregorius from that perspective at the same age. So what's to say his upside isn't, uh, isn't as much as Didi Gregorius's upside became. Um, and, and for, you know, one year at 2.5 and then arbitration eligible for two years before it gets you to free agency, that bridges, bridges you to the Garcia kid if he's ready. And if not, then you have to move on to something else at that point. But th- listen, I, I think the Reds have made a financial commitment. They made that commitment last year. There was no further financial commitment coming this year, folks. And I don't blame them. I can't blame them for that. I would have blamed them if they'd have torn it down. They didn't tear it down. They've kept every part, literally, other than Trevor Bauer and Freddie Galvis. And we were all ready to move on from Freddie Galvis anyway. And Ahmed Rosario would be an upgrade in that regard, in my opinion. So that is the logical move still to me. I heard a guy last night on Hot Stove League, why ain't the Reds trying to get to Trevor Story? <laughs> no, they're not going to go get to, dude. You're not getting a high price shortstop. They, they've come and gone. Um, Marcus Simeon, 18 mil. Andrelton Simmons, 10.5 mil. DD, 14 mil per year. No, they're not willing to pay that, nor should they. They've, they spent their money last year. They still have to pay for those guys that they spent money on last year. And now you need an upgraded shortstop. And this guy comes at a cheap price. So that's a, it seems like a logical, easy move to make is move whatever package you need to get Ahmed Rosario to play shortstop for you. I was never enamored with DD Gregoria. So I'm not broken up about them missing out on a 31 year old shortstop who could be past his prime. And it was going to get paid $14 million a year anyway. But I do understand what about your Trevor story? 
the the fans perspective of you go into an offseason, you have a chance to compete for your division clearly. I still think you do. I'm not saying I'm not saying you don't, but that you just let everything in terms of free agency come and go without making any types of moves, without spending anything. And baseball honestly just kind of sucks from a standpoint of it doesn't really seem like anyone wants to win or spend money. It seems like all the owners are just trying to save money and trying to make the quote unquote because you don't you decisions. Still, yeah, because you still don't know where where the fan base is. If if but this isn't back new, this year, but this isn't a new thing, Skinny. This is what they. Oh always, yes, it as is. As soon as a player gets good, they, no one wants him anymore. No one wants to pay the high price. And and if you do pay the high price, then it seems like it handicaps you, and you are screwed. And, I, and I'll be honest, anybody have to get and, out from under those contracts. So it's like and, the right lack and, of the, the salary cap just really screws this sport up and makes it hard to be a fan of well and that's what i mean because because owners can't help themselves the fan base falls in love with joey Votto, so let's spend 10 years and 250 no that that a contract i don't care what people tell he's already paid he's already paid for that no he hasn't i'm sorry he hasn't and and, and what did you get out of that yeah I, I got to watch joey Votto for a bit you went to a couple of playoffs but what did you get out of all that can someone help me jack squat right and, I'm, and I don't want that to be a blame of Joey Votto. That's not a single. That's them paying him and then going, well, we can't afford to do anything else. Well, then why did you bother to do that? And yeah, that's where I think. But, that, but that's, that's what where sucks think, about the sport, right? No, like, that's, that where, that's, where, that's where I, no, that's where I love to watch what teams like Tampa, Oakland, and maybe what the Reds are, are trying to do, which is, you know what? We can't afford to do it that way. We need to do it differently and better. And they do. Uh, when have the Reds done it better? Well, the Reds haven't, but Tampa and, and, and Oakland certainly have. I, okay, but then you have to immediately tear everything. I mean, I just don't the, – the sport kind of stinks from the, from that standpoint. Sure it, it does. It seems like no one wants to win, and that is not it, – it's, it's not fun to fall in love with the star, and then you immediately resent that guy because he either your team didn't want to sign him and he goes sign somewhere else for big money or because – you do resign him and then you resent him because it's an albatross on sure. your franchise because of the money you're paying him. It just here's, I think the big issue. That's a good point. I think the big issue is this it's that players are greedy. Can't blame them. Get paid for what you want. But at the same time, I mean, um, I just don't, I, I just don't see paying upwards in the, in the teens of millions of dollars for a player. It just doesn't seem like one guy can be worth that as far as a concern. But then the problem, the flip side is, we don't trust the owners when they claim poverty. We just don't because we see the valuation of teams. And that's all well and good to see the valuation. That doesn't mean there's a bunch of people lining up to buy Major League Baseball teams at that valuation. And so teams also have to be fit. I mean, you can't just go, well, you know, it's okay. I know we're worth $2 billion, but we can operate at a $50 million loss this year. No, I get it. You're a business. And that's the part of it. I, I I think fans don't see the business part of it. They just see the wins. And, and I get that part. But rightfully but so. But, yeah. But, I mean, a, but there is a business element to it. Sure. But run your business right. So we don't have to constantly hear about your business decisions. Really? You know what I mean? Like if you're in the red situation, we constantly have to criticize the reds decisions and question them because we're always hearing about the business part of it. We're always hearing about them needing to save money. We never get to talk about the wins. It's always about the red saving money and making better business decisions because they're never making the right ones. So that's, I mean, I get tired of worried about how billionaires are spending their money. I just want to see them produce a little. Okay. Bit so, so what, what did you want them to do at shortstop this off season? No. And, and again, that's not, I started off this by saying I, I didn't care about Didi Gregorius. None of those free agent shortstops were really like the end all be all to me. And I don't think the Reds are in a terrible spot. 
I, but at the same time, I understand the fan sentiment of this. The sport sucks. The offseason in the sport sucks. The conversation around your team sucks. If they're looking for someone where everyone's just worried about saving billionaires money, well, like and, and the logical the fans and the super critical fans who are so smart that tell you, oh, I didn't want Didi Gregorius. I didn't want Simi. I didn't want any of these guys because they're so such smart fans. They don't want to sign a bad contract. That's such an unfun way to go through rooting for your team and watching a sport of just talking about smart contracts that and basically saying your team can never afford to be good. It's yeah, and not that, fun. And, and I hate to be the back in my day guy. And that's the fun part about back in my day was a lot of times when trades were made, they were made for baseball purposes and not financial purposes. And now almost every trade has extraordinary finance, financial ramifications, especially trade deadline trades of, hey, time to unload to get some prospects and see where we go, as opposed to, hey, they need a shortstop. We need an outfielder. We've got an extra shortstop. You got an extra outfielder. How about we take your guy? You take my guy. And that just doesn't happen anymore. And you're right. That's the unfortunate part of it. And it makes for a very boring sport. You're right. Or yeah, very boring off season or even in season. And, and it's, it's not even, it is boring, but it's also just not fun to have these conversations right. around your team. When, when the quote unquote critical and smart fan is the one who just poo-poos every idea of improving or getting better because that's not spending your money smartly. You got your set yourself up and you're just always waiting to groom these prospects that are going to develop into the Cubs a couple of years ago when they won it all. It, it's just kind of unrealistic to me. And it sucks to, that's the only way to talk about the sport in the off season at this point. It's like, I mean, literally I feel like every year it's the same thing over and over. I read the same tweets from the same media members and the same fans saying the same exact things. It's just boring to me and it's not fun. But, but, but when you have a chance to make a logical move, like a deal for Ahmed Rosario, which seems extraordinarily logical, Cleveland needs outfielders. Two of their starting three outfielders last year are still free agents. So they need outfielders. You need a shortstop. They're willing to give the guy up. It sounds like does that that to me sounds like fun. That sounds like the kind of deal that you make. It sounds great. Let's do it. Like, what what are we waiting for? Why is that not? happening? That's a great question. I I, I don't know if they're waiting to find out. Are we going to have a DH or no DH in the National League? Because if we're not going to have a DH and we're not going to talk about this moving forward, what do we do with a Jesse Winker? I mean, is he part of that or is it? Well, okay, if we're going to have a DH, we need to have Jesse because he's certainly a great bat. Um, so then you have to go a Kino and a prospect or two. And maybe that's where we're at. Maybe it's the red saying, listen, just hold off. We've got two packages, three packages here for you. We just want to find out what's going to happen with the DH for us. May I, I, and I'm just completely surmising. I'm completely spitballing, but yes, it seems like it's extraordinarily logical to make the, to make the deal. Now, listen, you don't need to make it for a few weeks. Spring training doesn't start for a few weeks, but if they don't do something by then, and we're going to the season with, with, uh, Alex Blandino and Kyle Farmer and, Jose Garcia and Kyle Holder. Yeah, and, and, and Garcia is not even a, a short term. I, I think he's a completely got to go back to the minors because he's not ready to hit at this level. And that's where, unfortunately, last year did a disservice to that kid was, hey, you see the glove. You see what he did in spring training. And I was in that group, too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to I'm not second guessing anybody else that thought that way because I thought the same way of, hey, right now, maybe he's your best option. Let's see. Well, he was obviously overmatched. So he needs some time in the minors. Um yeah, I, I and, and that's the thing. I just don't know. Can you carry Cal Farmer and Tucker Barnhart over 162 games? Well, Tucker won't play 162 games, but can you carry those two bats at the bottom of your lineup? It's not ideal. No, and maybe that's where I don't know. Maybe maybe Tyler Stevenson fits in more in the mix at catcher than I I, I credit. Maybe if he hits, maybe if he's a 15 to 20 home run guy and Barnhart's a late in defensive replacement, then maybe you can carry Cal Farmer down at the bottom of the lineup. Um, but that's a big if. 
to, to tie a bow on it, you're in the camp of make the trade. Ho- hope for the Rosario trade at yes. this point, and that's yeah. kind of the, the last play it. right now. Yeah, yeah, you're not trading for Trevor Story. A A Colorado has now decided that that's the guy they're going to build around because that's when they traded Nolan Arenado. It was can't 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 pay for Ben. There, there's the there's the non fun part of it. Can't pay for both, so got to let one go. And right. so yeah, they're 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 going to build around Trevor Story, so he's not even in the marketplace. And then of course, if you're a Reds fan, it's like. You know, the Cardinals somehow find a way to go yeah, grab right. a big time player in the offseason. So, you no, know, it's that's just, fair. I, I get the fan side of this of this sucks. And I I wish there was more to do. I wish there was something more to do. And I wish we didn't constantly have to talk about how smart a contract is or how smart the money is that you're paying it. I, I think fans would just like to see them go get a guy when it's time, when you have a chance like this. At the same time, I fully agree with the idea that some of these contracts like D.D. Gregorius probably wouldn't have been worth it. I don't know that he's the difference between the Reds winning the Central or not, to be quite honest with you. Like, I don't think he's that great. So um, I-, I get both sides of it. Yeah. All right, Skinny, let's uh, get into our betting segment. And obviously this week it's going to be all about the Super Bowl. Uh, as we mentioned at the top of the broadcast, we are tied right now 103, 104, and 6 on the year, both of us at this point with our college football and NFL picks. And we come into this game, Chiefs and Buccaneers. The game is actually in Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay. So the Bucs get the home game. The Chiefs are the three-point favorite. The total is 56. Let's start off with our basic picks here before we get into some props. Well, the, I, the weather potentially is going to be a factor. And, you know, I guess we're not going to know that till day of and, and maybe moment of, but there's supposed to be some rain, maybe some thunderstorms. Is that going to keep teams from throwing the ball as much as they want? Is that going to turn this into more of a defensive battle? I'm kind of banking on it. So I'm, I'm going to make two plays. Uh, for our pick purposes, I'll make the one, but I'm going to make another play before we get to our props. Um, so the number's what? Kansas City three and 56 and a half still? 56 is what I saw it at 56. Okay. So three and 56, I'm going to take Tampa to win outright and it to stay under. I'm going to go Tampa 28, 24, um, especially if weather comes in, I think Tampa can run the ball enough. Um, and I don't think Kansas city does run it well. Um, and without Eric Fisher in the lineup, I think that's going to be a big, big issue. Um, I think Tampa Tom gets it done at home. I, you know, you're literally, you're taking Tampa as a home dog. Think about that for a minute, people. You're taking Tampa as a home dog. Give me Tampa and the points in the under. I tell you what, this is one of the most interesting Super Bowls we've had in a long time. No I question. Think. It's a great game. It's a fascinating quarterback match. And, and I hope the weather doesn't play a factor because I want to see it play out in good weather with these two teams at a high level because I think they both are. I think we all want to see the shootout between the two quarterbacks. I mean, that's the storyline that's been built up. It's an awesome storyline. Everything about this game I like. And I and honestly, the fact that the Chiefs seem like the the better, more talented team, especially on offense, is kind of, you know, it is counteracted a little bit by the fact that the Bucks are playing in their home stadium and it's Tom Brady in, in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, it, really this line, uh, it feels like a really good line. And um, I still just at the end of the day, I think the Chiefs are the more talented team. I can't bet against Pat Mahomes in this offense right now. I get it. Uh I mean, the, the first game between these two teams was a three-point game. Chiefs won. I'm going to say Chiefs get it done by a touchdown this time, and I am going to go ahead. And, and honestly, that, that total is so high, and the weather does concern me a little bit, but I just can't picture myself betting an 
and having to sweat out the under in this game with these. Oh, yeah. I think you'd be sweating. I think you'll be. I've, I've got the under, but I think I'm going to be sweating it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I'm going to go ahead and take the over here. I'm going Chiefs 34, Bucks 27. So All Chiefs right. in the over. So in, in real-time dollars, um, here's what I'm going to do before I get to props. And I got some some props that we probably won't even talk about, but I got a handful of props I want to play as well. But I, I'm going to take – I'm going to I'm gonna buy Tampa to laying three-and-a-half, believe it or not, and the under, hence the 28-24 score. Um, that's probably dangerous to put the hook on that. So I'm literally flipping it almost to reverse teaser. You can't do a two-team, same-team reverse teaser at the place I go. But you can but- change the line. You can change the line and make it a parlay. So that's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to make a straight bet on Tampa on the money line. So what what are you parlaying that with? Or are you just with the under? With the under. Okay, yeah, with, no, yeah, with the under. Okay. And then what was the other bet you wanted to add? Tampa on the money line. Okay. So you're all in on the Bucks here. You're yep. really confident. Yep. All right. Uh, I say we have three prop bets that we are going to include as part of our official pick on yes. record here yes. as well to give us a little little opportunity for more separation. The first of which is one of our favorites, the outcome of the coin toss, Skinny. Where are you at? Well, let me give a quick coin toss story. So uh, for those that maybe don't know, because they're not doing it in Ohio um, and maybe other places where people are listening to this podcast, but I coach high school basketball in Kentucky where I don't even know if you know this, Rick, where games start with a coin toss. Were you aware of that? I was not aware of that. Yes. So games games now start with with a coin toss. Um, there's no longer a jump ball. They do. Uh, we played a game against Moeller on Monday. Um, and so we were playing in Ohio. So we played by Ohio rules. So it was the first time my, my team had a jump. Ball, a Hold jump on, the ball the is, idea being there that you're saving some like ex- COVID exposure with guys it, facing it, each other. It's so funny. So last night, um, as we're doing the coin toss, uh, I did ask the official, I said, you know, I'm still trying to figure this out. I said, he said, you know, the only thing I think of is he goes, maybe they think it's a safety thing for us where we're not close to the players for the jump. He said, but, um, we're pretty close to him otherwise. And if I'm giving a kid on the ball underneath out of bounds without my mask on, cause I'm trying to breathe, I'm pretty close to the kid. Then he goes, it doesn't seem to make sense. I said, yeah, this just does always seem like a CYA to me. Always. But anyway, I wish I had my guy, Ross Hart, who is our JV head coach at, at Beachwood and uh, our head varsity assistant Ross this year on coin tosses is nine and oh. Wow. How about that? That's, That's a, an unbelievable record for something that, that is a 50-50 proposition. I'm usually the tails never fails, and I'm about 50-50 on that when I've called it this year so far. Um, so I usually just kind of stick to, to that. I do have another guy. When, uh, he's he's a, 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 an assistant JV coach, um, Brandon Ward. And, and Brandon actually, and he found the study for me. Actually, there was a study done because you know the whole thing of even if Tails have come up 50 times. What is the proposition for the next coin toss? It's supposed to be 50-50, right? Right. Supposedly. It's the same thing with roulette. But a study was done, and I can't remember if it's just a quarter or a half dollar. I can't remember which one it is that if you use that, or maybe even a dollar. I can't remember what what the denomination is. But based on the fact of the way the head is imprinted on there, it's it's a bit heavier on that side, that heads actually does come up a little more often than tails. Wow. So I'm going we have no so idea I'm what going, type of coin that is. That is correct. Not the commemorative NFL coin. <laughs> that is it has correct. Nothing to do with this. So I'm going to go heads. Well, that's awesome because I'm a uh, tails never fails. Oh, right. I've never, right. Right. I've never once in my life, if given the opportunity to call it in the air, not one single time since the day I've been born have I called heads in my entire life. That's, that's what I told fact. you. I mean, I, I've done every coin toss that I've had to call because the home team calls it um, where, where we play, so I, which is weird. You think it's the visiting team, right? But it's the home team is the one that gets to call it. Um, I've done tails every time, and like I said, I'm about 50-50 on it. 
but but now you're waffling. You're a heads guy today. I'm a heads guy because I feel like the commemorative coin has a good chance to have a little more weight on that side of it, bro. Oh, I haven't even seen what the design is yet. You, I haven't either. Have I'm, no I'm just idea. guessing. You're I'm not just a guessing. coin architect. You no, I'm just I'm that. just guessing at it. And I like the fact that for us, we're both on different sides of the coin here. Me too. I love that you took heads. Uh, very nice pun, by the way. I love the fact that you took heads. And I'm just stating that I'm, I don't waffle when it comes to heads or tails. I am a strictly tails guy. Okay. Uh, all right. Second prop that we have is what will the first play of the game be? A drop back. Pass attempt could be pass or sack. Pass slash sack is the option there, or a run. I got. I think pass. I, I, I for some reason it feels like whichever team has the ball is going to play fake and toss one deep just for blanks and giggles, just to say here we are. Stop us. That or it's going to be a bubble screen or a shuffle pass. Like it's going to be a high percentage, yep. easy completion. Just, 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 to, just to get Brady off on the right foot or get Tyree kill a touch, right? Get him yeah. in some space. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It is. I'm with you 100% on this. It's pass. Absolutely. Um, no, no questions asked here. So we're both on pass for that. The final one we have as part of our pick is Brady versus Mahomes passing yards. And Mahomes is giving... Brady 30 and a half yards. So if you take Mahomes, he's got to out throw Brady by 30 and a half. Yeah. I, I think I'd lean to, to, to taking Pat Lane the 30 and a half, because I do think that um, I think, I think Tampa's going to rely on the run game more. I think Brady's going to try to shorten it more. And based on my score, which is Tampa winning, I've got Tampa in front, which means in theory, Mahomes has to throw more. So I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I think Mahomes throws for over 300. I'm not sure Brady throws for over 250 in this game. Interesting. So I'm going the opposite. I'm going to go Brady here. Uh, I certainly think Mahomes throws for more yards overall, but I'm on the flip side of that score. I think the Chiefs are going to have the lead. You're going to have Brady late game situation. I think he's going to make a comeback, but come up short. So I'm I'm thinking Brady covers the 30 and a half that he needs and, and it, it, he gets it close enough. I'm thinking somewhere like Mahomes goes for 315, 320, and Brady is right around 300. All right, so wouldn't it be something? So T- Tampa drives down. They're down by the seven because you picked a seven-point spread. Second and goal from the one, 32 seconds to go. You got Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones. Brady drops back to throw. And just like Brady won a Super Bowl because of Russell Wilson throwing an interception, <laughs> The honey badger steps in front at the goal line to thwart it. Ball game over. Wouldn't that be unbelievable? Just a fantastic storyline. I would love that. All right. So those are our official picks for our pick. Uh, you got the over under, you've got the the spread and you've got the, the three props. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to get in there on those yeah. initial picks before we get to the more, more props here? No, no, no. I've got a couple of props though. I like, so yeah, I, I got a couple. I'm sure you do too. I, I'll, I'll give my props that I like. I like two of them. There was one Mike Evans scoring a touchdown at any point, I believe is seven to one, seven to one at any point. Yes. There's I, no way sh- that's right. Double check that for me. If you, if you can find it, I, I swear. I thought I saw that or maybe it was five to one. It was something where I went, Whoa, give yeah, me that I'm, one. I'm, I'm looking that up right now, he, at he, least according to he, the, he, uh, I think, I think he's either 10 to one or 12 to one to score the first touchdown of the game. And I, I'm, I'm not going to play that probably. No, I believe I, that. Yeah. I'm gonna probably I'm actually gonna probably play three or so guys for for maybe that, and then probably two or three guys for the MVP. And one of my MVP selections, believe it or not, is gonna be Tyron Matthew. I think I picked him last year when he was like fifty to one or something like that, and I felt I felt good about the value of that because 
while it's very rarely a defensive player, if anybody can make a couple of special plays, it's a guy like him, right? Yeah, I'm not sure if you had some type of odds boost that you were looking at or not, but Mike Evans, I'm showing at least according to Hollywood Sportsbook, okay. uh, the Barstool Sportsbook at Hollywood Casino, Mike Evans is plus 900 to score the first touchdown, plus 900 to score the last touchdown, and plus 110 to score at any time. Oh, then I'm not taking the plus one. No, never mind. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, I yeah, figured yeah. he would be almost okay. even money there. Yeah, um, okay. Then maybe, maybe, maybe I saw the first touchdown odds, and maybe that's what I was thinking for some reason. Um, but I do like those odds, though. Yeah, I mean, the first touch, I actually got a, a a bet that I already took while I was over there placing some college basketball bets on Wednesday. I got Tyreek Hill to score the first touchdown at crazy odds, like plus 900 or something. That's pretty That's pretty good, too. Which What's I Kelsey? just went ahead and jumped on. Uh, Kelsey is at plus 650 for the first touchdown. There's only, about, there's only about four guys I think I would take, and it'd be two for each team. I think I'd take Tyreek Hill and Kelsey, and I think I'd take Fournette and... Um, and Mike Evans. Yeah, and uh, Fournette and Evans are getting much better value there. Fournette is plus 1050 and Mike Evans is plus 900. Yeah, so. I, which is 10 to 1, 10 and a half to 1 and 9 to 1 for those that are just wondering um, just how that kind of works. Um, Yeah, that's I mean, if you again, if you put 10 bucks on all four guys, I just said. So what, what's Kelsey? Kelsey's plus 650. Hill is plus 650. Yeah, so I mean, I'm I, again, I've I've theoretically spread out $40 in plays among those four guys. The worst I get back if one of them scores is 65 bucks for Kelsey or, or, or Tyreek. I kind of like those odds. Yeah. Yeah. Those, that's a great way to get a, a quick little hit there uh, to start your day off. Let's get into, I got a whole list of props here that we can just run through real sure. quick. You just give me your answer. If I don't think there's a lot of explanation needed over under time for Jay Sullivan and E church's national anthem. 119 and a half seconds. So we're talking just under two, just minutes. under two minutes. Um, I've told this story before, but a, but a writer friend, I don't know if you know him or not. You know who he is. I'm sure Josh Katzowitz, um, who used to work Love here in Cincinnati. Josh Katzowitz, yeah, great guy. Cover high school uh, sports with him. He, um, he, he's covered some Xavier as well. Back in the day, he's covered some reds. Jo- right. jo- Josh at every sporting event he's been to, this is no lie has logged the official national anthem time. Including the high school sporting events we used to cover. Yes, which is yes. just incredible to me. I think that's outstanding. And most of them are well under two minutes. But if I'm on, if I'm in the national stage, look, I don't need the Whitney Houston five minute spectacular, which is a great national anthem, by the way. It's just whenever you hear that at a sporting event, damn you long. go, oh, don't do this one, please. Yeah. Yes, correct, correct. But in that moment for that time place when it was sung and her voice and everything, that was. That was spot on. That was the perfect length, et cetera. They, we just, we needed that. Um, but I still think I'm going to go over that time frame. I think if I'm on a national stage singing the anthem, I'm extending a few notes. I'm cruising along. So I'll take the over. It's probably wrong because almost every anthem's under, you know, under the two minute threshold. Uh, I'm, but go- I'm, going, I'm going over. I'm going under because I- I'm just, first of all, who are these people? Who is this? Is it country, Eric Church? I think, I think Eric Church is country, I believe. Yeah, I see E Church, so I'm assuming that's Eric Church. I don't know who Jay Sullivan is at all. I don't either. Um, but I would assume a old little man Sullivan's bit, kid. Oh, yeah, old man Sullivan's boy. That's exactly right. Uh, there's a little bit of nerves going on if you're doing the the Super Bowl anthem. I think that would speed you up slightly. So okay. I'm, I'm right, going under enough. two minutes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, will there be a score on the first drive of the game? Um, I'm gonna say based on the fact I need the under, I need a punt. So I'm gonna say no. I'm going to go with there will not be because I think Tampa Bay will get the ball first almost no matter what. 
They have taken the ball first oh, yeah. the last yeah. two weeks, I believe, or the last two times that they won the toss. And, and then and Andy Reid defers if he he's gets defers it. Yeah. no matter what. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to say Tampa Bay does not score on the opening drive. Which team will score first? I'm going to say KC for that reason. What do you What do you think? Um, that's a great point. Yeah, you've 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 talked me into the logic of KC for that reason. So yes, yeah, okay, I'll go with that. They'll kick a field goal, Butker off the upright, and then he gets nervous and shanks one later. All right, which player will score the game's first touchdown? We just went through a whole list yeah. of them. Do you have uh, an official selection that you want to go with here, or ju- you just want to lay your uh, four? I'll go. I'll, I'm going to lay my four, but if I have to make, I'm, I may make an extra ten dollar play on Mike Evans. Okay, I'm going Tyreek Hill as my guy, as I already mentioned. Uh, will a defensive or special teams touchdown be scored? There's usually value in that play. Um, man, I don't think I'm going to. I don't think I. I rarely. I don't play that prop. I'm going to say yes, just because there's usually some value in it. Just, just, just cause. But that that's a dicey one because it just it's just so rare. But but Tom has been a pick six machine. I mean, when he throws an interception, it's been a pick six, right? It just has been. That's true. That's true. So you're going. I'm going to go yes. yes. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to hate myself for doing a little it. value. I'm going to go no on that. Uh, yeah. I just don't. I don't think either. Either of these guys are going to throw the the big interception in this. You're one. probably right. Will there be a missed field goal or extra point? Absolutely. Harrison Butker will miss an extra point. It's what he does. <laughs> More yards from scrimmage. Edwards Hilaire or Fournette? This was even. Fournette. What color? I think Fournette. I think Fournette Fournette's a sneaky MVP pick to me in this game. Oh. Oh, I like that. That's juicy. Oh, well, okay. What are uh, Fournette's MVP odds now that you say that? Let me check here real quick. Leonard Fournette is plus 2,500 mm. to win the MVP. So that's 25 to 1, man. I like. I love those odds. That's pretty good. Your boy Mike Evans is at 30 to 1, too, if you were Ooh, really I like all those over two. his. I mean, you got to admit, no matter who wins this game, in 99.9% of the time, it's always the quarterback. And, and one of these two guys... But I'm just banking on Fournette somehow going off for 143 and two touchdowns and and Brady, you know, being a pedestrian 12 of 23. And again, I'm banking on a lot, but at 25 to one, I'm willing to bank on those odds, bro. I tell you what, going back to your idea of the honey badger getting a pick six to win the game. If he some somehow comes up with another big play in that game, along with your pick six to win it, he's 40 to one. Gosh, Occasionally like they throw a defensive guy yep. out there. Yes, so they do. You're he right. Is an interesting defensive name that I would consider. Two more quick ones that I'm sure you'll love uh, that I have the odds for. What color Gatorade will be dumped on the winning coach? We've got orange at plus 160, red at plus 165. No shock there considering the two teams' colors. I think both of those make a lot of sense. We could see those two on each sideline if you go uh, red on the Chiefs and orange on the Bucks. So, yeah, that, 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 that's the question is which team do you think wins at that point then, right? Because you are – I think that's exactly the point of red will be on the Chiefs' sideline or will be on the, the, the uh, Bucks' sideline. So then which team wins? It's funny because um, kind of like you, I went down Wednesday to make a handful of college basketball plays, and unfortunately one of my tickets got stuck in the kiosk, so I had to walk all the way into the book – to get my ticket. And there was a guy making all kinds of, of prop bets. Good he made him. the, he, he made the orange Gatorade bet as well. Cause I heard him say it out loud. So just in, in honor of my man that was in front of me and taking way too much of my time. So I could get my ticket that was stuck in the kiosk. I'll take the orange Gatorade. Yeah. Orange is the favorite at plus plus one sixty. red plus plus one sixty five. We've got the lime or yellow at, at plus mm. three thirty. Clear or water is at plus six fifty, which I think there's some value. That's a good, there there's some the value there. Play. That's a good, yeah, that's a good call. The because water's, a, yeah. To me, it's 50 50 between whether it's Gatorade or water, mm-hmm. quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Blue is plus 800, purple plus 1300. I almost feel like with 
the Super Bowl, they intentionally make sure it's Gatorade because of this situation here. Because of right, but it, but but it, but it could be the clear. And and I do. I mean, you got two older guys that a lot of their, games. I think they do water these days. Yeah. Do you, and, and plus with these two guys, do you want do you want Andy Reid soaked in red, and do you want Bruce Arians soaked in orange? Well, Andy Reid already looks like the freaking Kool Aid Man with all yeah, that red pullover good. on and his size. <laughs> hey, Kool Aid. I'm going red. It, I think red is the right play here. I, I've got the Chiefs winning, and uh, either team could have red potentially on their sideline too. So right, right. I'm going red. All right. Okay. And the first song to be performed by your boy, The Weekend, during the halftime show. I know you're pumped about this, and I know you know his discography so well. So this will make this question great. We've got Star Boy at plus three fifty, Blinding Lights at plus four hundred. That's Can't it. feel That's my face one. at plus Blinding Lights. Blinding Lights. No Easily. way. No way. That's the that's the the big hit right now. That's the showstopper that everyone's waiting for. You can't lee off with that. Sure I you can. Yeah, I you can. You, I, you, hook, you hook them in. Mm, I, I think blinding lights they're going to save. That's too big right now. Okay. I'm going Starboy. Starboy is, I believe, what he started the concert with that I went to. He starts a lot of concerts off with that. It's a great beginning like intro piece, I think. So right, well, my I guess mean, he's going to go to his old reliable here. You know what? Can't wait to can't wait to when halftime comes to go take a big fat one so I don't have to listen to the weekend. Did you say smoke a big fat one or take? Well, a big fat could one? be both. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Ask Skitty anything. We've got uh, a good little handful of questions here. We'll start with our guy Lance McAllister, who had a topic going on Twitter and on his show this week. I responded to him and he, he threw it back at me and said, that sounds like an ask any anything question. I said, you know what, Lance, you sound like you're right. So let's ask any, uh, who are the most polarizing Cincinnati sports figures over the years? Um, Pete Rose. So let me ask you about that one. Cause that that's fascinating to me. I, I thought about him initially because in my mind, like I think Pete Rose is trash and I think it's hilarious how beloved he is in the city. And then uh, but I immediately thought, but there's no way he'd be considered polarizing because this city loves him so much. I Have think we got they to the loved that he is polarizing? him. Yes, I think they loved him until they realized he lied. I think a lot. In fact, I have a I have a good friend who used to call our radio show all the time, and uh, he just did not want to believe that Pete bet on baseball. He wouldn't believe it. He he couldn't believe it. He never. I said, dude, I, 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 I know a bookmaker who took his place. Trust me. I, he bet on baseball. I fully know it, but that's okay. And, and I think he was in that denial like a lot of Reds fans were until finally for the money. And I think that's what also pissed Reds fans off and Pete Rose fans off is that Pete then, because of getting some money from a book, finally came clean. And I think that's where there was a group of fans that went, you know what? I still hope you get in the Hall of Fame, but screw you, buddy. Is that what it is, or is it more just the deterioration of his character over well, the years? Well, I think so. And I, well, the racism, the potential did with Andre Charles, yes, allegedly, correct. yes. Uh, yeah, I think that's to me more the thing. And I thought that was more of just like a young crowd who was never that was never really a fan of Pete in the first place. Uh, I don't know. To me, I just but but now you know. As soon as I I looked at Lance's comments, I did see a lot of people saying Pete well, Rose, and I was and, surprised by that. And you want to know about polarizing? I, I'm on both sides of the aisle. As somebody who grew up watching him, literally like a lot of kids my age, idolizing the way he played, trying to play the exact way he played, and then realizing what a scumbag he is. That's the that's the epitome of polarizing. I Fair respect enough. the one side, the other side I can't stand. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a great point. Who else do you got? Well, you you and I, I think 
we hit on him earlier. Joey Votto's got to be in that mix somewhere, number, right? And number one, he is the number one player in my lifetime, I think, of polarizing sports figures. Because yeah, and, I, and again, I think some of this is is age related, but yes, oh, of course. It, you know, but right. but in I mean, in the last you know twenty or so years, I think Joey Votto is the most polarizing because you you can find so many fans who are on the. Joey Votto is the best red ever and a Hall of Famer and one of the and not going to listen to any and, and and worth every penny that they've spent and haven't spent on him yet. And no matter what they spend on him, right. he's been well worth it. And I'm not going to listen to any argument. Otherwise, you have people on that side and then you have people on the exact polar Correct. opposite Correct. where they're Correct. telling you he's the worst thing ever and his approach is the worst ever and he stinks so yeah i th- i think he is number one in my lifetime now, that's a good one i mean there's no question about it um I, i'm a guy andy dalton and i i hate to even yeah. throw it out there because i just uh, i i'm my head's gonna spin from he's if, number two he's number yeah. two in my opinion is for he? my okay. lifetime because okay. I, I just because again i think you you don't have anyone who's as high on Andy dalton as you do joey vado no one is in the like he's a hall of famer camp and he he can do no wrong but i think there are a lot of people and that think I would he probably can do no right put you and you and myself in the group that think he was pretty good he was he was a solid quarterback that did more good than he did bad for right. this franchise but yet you have a significant portion of the fan base maybe even half of it that thinks he's worthless and Dude, thought they, he they, never should have started they hated him from the first Houston playoff loss on because yeah, he absolutely. did miss a, he did miss a key pass in a key moment of that game no doubt about it but <laughs> did a lot of good man I'm just telling you but you're right I mean it, there's there's both camps of that which makes him polarizing uh Bob Huggins that's an that's uh an interesting one I, I I hadn't really thought a lot about Huggins name and I didn't really see that come I'm sure it came up in Lance's show or whatever I just didn't catch that part mostly that is that a Xavier UC thing in terms of hatred, or do you think we're to the point where enough UC people have gone 50, 50 on him? Um, I don't know about 50, 50, but I think there's enough, enough UC people that, that can look back and maybe, maybe understand that he led to his own demise. I mean, there was a large Nancy Zimfer, you know, pitchfork crowd out there. Yeah. I felt like most UC fans, they liked Huggins regardless of whether they felt, they but, were right for moving on from him but, or not. But then there were also some early flameouts in the tournament with, you know, two seeds and, you know, high seeds that you're like, you know. I think th- a lot of people forget about those when they talk about Huggins. Legacy yeah, I mean, and so. obviously did great things. I mean, he took them to a Final Four, and you can't forget him for that. He made them an established national powerhouse for 15 years running. Um, you know, really put the program literally back on, the, on track. And, yes, it, it had a little blip there when – you know, things went haywire before Mick t- took over, but then Mick, you know, reestablished the UC brand and the UC name. And, and, you know, really for 30 years, UC basketball, other than a hiccup here and a hiccup there. And this year certainly is in that hiccup category. And you'll agree with this 30 years going, it's a top 15, top 20 program for sure. Yeah, no, that's a pretty good one. My and, third and, and hugs and hugs started that. My third on my list was the Dunner, Adam Dunn. Oh, and, the donkey. And I- I'll have to say I'm probably on the wrong side of history on this one. I was one of the somewhat irrational fans who never really liked him. Um, I, I was always in that middle camp that that um, understood the way he his approach was, but I always believed that Adam Dunn was best served if a, if a manager was was willing to have lineup flexibility. Which managers back in his and we're not talking a long time ago, but back in that era. Managers basically were, you're the leadoff guy, you're the second hitter, you're the third guy, you're fourth, and it didn't matter. For me, Adam Dunn was such a hot and cold hitter that when he was going hot, he was either walking or hitting one 500 feet. And when he was going cold, 
Richard Skinner or Rick Boren could have thrown a pitch by him because he just didn't see it. And so you had to ride those streaks out and I thought fluctuate him in the lineup accordingly. And, and managers weren't willing to do that. So I think it also exposed him at times when he was struggling and batting fourth or fifth and leaving runners on base because he was striking out so much because that's what he did. He was, a, he was a true three outcome guy, right? I mean, it was a home run, a walk or a, or a strikeout. I think it exposed him, unfortunately. And then he just looked like he played the game with a laissez-faire attitude. And and I think that didn't endear himself, especially to a blue-collar city like this. So, yeah, I think he is in that in that polarizing camp. That's a that's a great one. That's one I wouldn't have thought of, but that's a good one. Yeah, those are my top three. Because I, I, I thought Dunn was uh, r- ridiculously polarizing, especially when you put a look at the numbers that he put up. And I think his legacy since he's left, Reds fans have come around on him more so. And, and I'm in that group that realized, okay – he put up some pretty damn impressive numbers, even if I didn't love watching him swing himself into a corkscrew at breaking balls in the dirt. And that's why I say I, I go back to I just think that that in that era of managers, I just think he got left exposed far too often when he wasn't going well. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, let me throw. Uh, well, well, let me let me pony off that. Would okay. Junior would Junior fit in the category of polarizing? I, you know, I I thought about that one, and I think when he played, he actually would be considered in this group. But since it's time has passed, I think everyone universally loves him for the most part. I don't think you'll find a lot of people no, hating fair on enough. Junior at this point. Yeah, fair enough. You know, I, I but but when he was with the Reds, I think there were a lot of people that were sort of giving him the Vado treatment of why would we spend all this trade capital and money on him and everything I mean, else. Fan dumped a beer or a Coke, or I can't remember what it was, on him out in the outfield once when he banged into the wall. Yeah. I do remember times where I think he would be in that group. I don't know now if I would say that, though, no, just because I, th- I think everyone was so uh, yeah. high on him getting into the Hall of Fame and looked back on him as he's still one of the greatest of all time, even if it didn't work out with the Reds. I think a lot of people realize most of that was injury, and I think most people look back on him and believe he did it the right way without steroids, and I think that's endeared him to a lot of people that in his era, he doesn't seem like he was one of the steroid guys. All right, let me go. Let me go with two more Bengals, and then I'm done with my list. Okay. A, one would be Chad Johnson. Mm, I was wondering if that was coming. I, 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 I do not understand how anyone could be on the. I don't like Chad Johnson. Train. I just, I, I just hated the. I, I'm just, you know me, and I, I, I fully admit that's the old, old guy in me. I just, you know what? Just play the game, score a touchdown, put the ball down, and be done with it. I think there are a fair amount of people like you, though. I don't think that's a ridiculous take. What? Who else did you? Have? And, and from and from a talent perspective, don't get me wrong. I mean, that's the other side of it. I also go, hey, dude was a hell of a wide receiver. So yeah. I mean, I, I get that part in of Bengals it. history. Mm, we can always argue that, right? But yes, that's he's certainly in that got, conversation. Chris? I told you, I thought we did this one. I said Carl Pickens was my guy, as much as I didn't like. Oh, him. yeah, that's a that's a wrong take. Go, who yeah, was, I know, I know. And <laughs> the other one is, believe it or not, this is going to be odd, and maybe I, I think you'll probably fully disagree. Sam Weish. Really? Uh, this might be a little bit before my time. I didn't realize he was polarizing. Um, You know, he had a nickname of Wiki Wacky for a reason because he did some weird things and he honestly had some talented teams that arguably underachieved and we're always going to remember him for the Super Bowl and rightfully so. You can't can't take that away from Doug Peterson or anybody. You take a team to the Super Bowl, you deserve a tip of the cap for that. But, I mean, if you look at some of the teams around it, made a couple of playoffs, but also had some really good teams in the mid eighties that just didn't quite get over the hump. And um, the Super Bowl run probably usurps all, but then of course, you know, the last couple of years, the whole quote of, 
you know, who cares about a football game when there's tennis to be served up and golf to be played. And so I, I think Sam's in that polarizing category, God rest his soul. And again, can't take the Super Bowl away from him, but there's also a part of me that goes, dude also had a bunch of underachieving years with some really good talent. Let me ask you about one more Bengals name before sure. we wrap this up. Carson Palmer, where good do you one. think there's any chance he's in that mix? I, I I do because of the way the exit occurred of that's you know, kind basically of whining his way out of town. But I, and I, I never I, I was always down on him when he was with the Bengals. I was never as a, a player. Carson, yeah, I was never a big Carson Palmer guy. I thought initially he had it and then he lost. He seemed to kind of get it seemed like at a certain point he was out on Chad Johnson's antics, too. Well, he yeah. was out on Chad. Trust me, he was out on the year that they had Chad and T.O. He was done with that, and and I think that was the that was the whole reboot circumstance of he wanted out because he didn't want to do with it, deal with it. Marvin wouldn't deal with it, and so it became a uh, get rid of Marvin, get rid of me. They end up trading him. Marvin comes back for the reboot and has another six, seven years um, to coach, and so I do think that at that point, Ch- Carson had had enough of everything. Well, I think even maybe before that, because he really got in good with T.J. Hushmanzada, and at that point, it felt to me like he started locking on receivers and staring them down. And he started becoming pick six Palmer all the time. Every, every, he never took safeties and linebackers into account. And when he was looking through coverages, it was very weird. He threw interceptions right to God. He drove he me nuts when he was a quarterback after like, yeah, the first I, I understand it. Yeah. But there's also times where you watch him spin a ball and you're like, damn dude, his ain't, ain't many spin it like that cat spins it. Oh, in terms of his physical abilities, he was the prototypical quarterback prospect. Mm-hmm. He had the arm strength, the accuracy, all of that stuff. I just didn't think he was much of a leader and not no, he had no personality or mental strength in my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, I, and I, I think that's, again, the epitome of a polarizing figure. All right. This is an interesting question with the news of EA Sports is bringing back the NCAA football. Saw that. If you created a new school in the new EA college football game and had to replace a meaningless Power 5 team, who do you kick out based on how little they would be missed and how fun their conference would be to play in? Uh, I, I, as much as I, I love this school and as much as I almost wanted my daughter to go to this school um, and we visited it and all that, I'm sorry, Vandy, you gots to go. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you gots to go. And and the guy who sent us this, uh, he, he commented that there's really only two answers and it's Vanderbilt or Kansas. Uh, yeah, okay, you right. know what? I'm going to go Kansas over Vandy because Vandy is at least, and you'll agree with this, and he's, this is football, though, he said, right? Yeah. It, it, if you were going to do it, you'd have to kick him out for basketball, too, and that's the unfortunate part because you'd have to kick Kansas and Vandy out. I guess Vandy, at that point, Kansas is such a, a blue blood that you can't. But, man, from a football perspective, I, I still don't know how the fat man Mangino did it for the years he did it. Maybe he got lucky. Maybe he cheated his ass off. Maybe he was just the right guy at the right time. But, I mean, you've had some – I mean, Charlie Weiss, who I think was completely overrated as a coach, especially as a head coach, but you had some big-time dudes come through there. Les Miles now is coming through there. Nobody can win there, and I don't get it. As much as Kentucky's a blue blood in basketball and they're not consistently great in football, they're at least relevant. Kansas is not even relevant in football. They're rarely, if ever, relevant in football. I think Kansas is actually the easy choice here over Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt for the sake of this question because – the Big 12, you have so much better of a chance of overtaking that conference and winning <laughs> that conference as opposed to trying to beat out Alabama. And the other part is, let me just tell you this. If you have a chance to to visit a city for a game and your team's playing, would you want to go to Lawrence, Kansas, or Nashville, Tennessee? Mm, I mean, well, that is a fair point, but... No, that, my thing. point is, I'd, I'd rather go to Nashville, so I don't want to kick Vandy out. I don't want to oh. go to Lawrence for a game. 
Yeah, true, but I'm but I mean, like this is what conference I have to play and where I have to spend my time. So now I'm spending all my time in Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah, and good, yeah. but I mean, but look, there's plenty of good road trips in the Big Twelve. So that's true. I'm I'm not really too worried about that for the sake of this college football video game. So yeah, you know. no, I, I, it's a good. I love it. It's a great question. Yeah, it's an interesting question, but he's right. I mean, unfortunately, there really are only two responses and, to that. And, 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 and do you want to know the last video game that I ever had was? Uh, no. What, EA, what is it? EA Sports NCAA 98. Really? Yep. I'm not a video game guy. But no, I did you don't strike game. me as one. No. Nah. But I did have that game, so I'm glad they're bringing it back. What dips are entering the field of Super Bowl battle? What what it, what would be your your go-to dip for the Super Bowl? Here, I, I honestly, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I truly think I could do this. I think I could take a spoon and green onion dip and just eat it. I swear to God, I do. Well, I think you could do it. I think that would be pretty gross, though. It would be completely gross, but I I, I mean. But you would enjoy it? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, so last night was kind of because I had a basketball game and there wasn't any formal dinner. So um, I just simply thought out a, 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 I love me a Nathan's hot dog. It was just kind of a casual, uh, I'm going to have a beer and a hot dog and a thing of chips and, and call it a night. That That's dinner for the night. So the I got the dip out. And I almost couldn't stop. And I, I literally had to, as the hot dog was boiling, I'm just eating chips and dip like a five-year-old. And I went, I, I got to stop. I actually had to put the, I had to put the dip away. It's just, and it's the funny part is I'll take like a couple of chips and just scoop a mound of dip out. It's just so good to me. It, it, it's, it's up there. Uh, Buffalo, Buffalo chicken dip. My daughter makes it. She's coming over with her husband for Super Bowl Sunday. I've told her she has to make that because that is just a, a perfect dip for me. They're a big spinach dip group. I'm not, um, so I'm going to pass on that. So for me, I'm just going to have some chips with green onion dip and my daughter's buffalo uh, buffalo chicken dip. Yeah, the buffalo chicken dip, it's a crowd pleaser. It's it's, it's easy. a classic. It's easy. It can go with any it can go with anything. It can go with you can put it on a piece of piece of like cracker. You can put it on um, you know, usually I just use the 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 tostito scoops for something like that, but you can do a lot of different things with that dip. Yeah, anyone who has a, a list of their favorite dips that doesn't have buffalo chicken in the top three, you're just being an ass. No question. Yeah, it's a and, top and, three dip. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I, I'm going to guess we'll make this too, because usually for us on Super Bowl Sunday, it is literally just, it's simply hors d'oeuvres and that, you know, there's not a formal meal. Um, so it's kind of just complete snack time from wings to, to uh, potato skins to mozzarella sticks. That's the right way to do it. Um, and I'm going to guess because we always do it is, is the skyline chili dip is still a staple yeah. whether, whether everybody scoffs at it and goes, Oh, it's just everybody. Has, yeah. Well, you know why everybody has it? Cause it's really damn good. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm as guilty of anyone as, as getting tired of it and, and thinking it's overused around this area. But I mean, that being said, it, I would probably imagine it's going to be wherever I'm watching Super Bowl too. So, I mean, and, it's, and by, and by the way, I, and I'm not a big snack cracker potato chippy guy i like i said i had them last night i, I don't have them very often and i know you're gonna laugh at this because i just found them the other day and bought a box and i've fallen in love with them the extra toasty cheese oh it's my go-to oh, oh, oh i've just found them yeah and of you, course my, my kids laughed They're like dude they've been out for a while i said well why didn't we ever buy them yeah the extra toasted cheese oh, are elite oh. snack food maybe the best oh so good yeah. So good. I think we. I think someone asked us one time about our our favorite road trip food, and that was my the the extra toasted cheese. It was my answer for that. I so. swear, I think you could sip a really good glass of wine with those and not think that you're eating a snack cracker. <laughs> I'm serious. 
I like it. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on pretty much everything you said already. I've got my Fiesta Ranch dip that I've talked about a lot in yep. the past. I threw yep. out there. That will be my go-to uh, also. We'll, we'll be eating that. And I'm guessing um, you're, not, you're not a formal – there's not a formal meal on Super Bowl Sunday. No. I mean, I'm a snacker and carbs guy to begin with. My family's <laughs> that way. Uh, it'll be as unhealthy as everything you described. Yeah, right. no, it's a funny thing. I'm really not um, – uh, but on Super Bowl Sunday, that's that's just the only way to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, interestingly enough, our next question was the list that you needed to rank. And I see, uh, I just happened to glance over at my tweet deck here. And in my mentions, Dan, our guy who sent this question, has said, I have to amend this. And he corrected the exact issue that you had with his left. He, he okay. said Marvin's Barnes was the ABA guy that was a shaved head pioneer. Darnell Hillman had the gigantic afro. So it's okay. exactly what you thought. And it is because I, I for for this one only every other question takes me by surprise, and you can you can attest to that, correct? Yes, but I sent you this ahead of time. Yes, because I, because said, I, I need have a ranking because I have to rank it. And I told you, I said I think he messed up on Marvin Barnes. Um, so anyway, g- give the list, and then I'll tell him, tell you why he messed up Marvin Barnes. And yes. to his credit, he found it and he realized his mistake. So he wanted you to rank the the following looks, if you will. We have the hair, mullet, hair, hair, hair and it's 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 hair, hair, facial hair looks, hair and facial hair. That's right. Yes, we've got the mullet. We've got the which if I'm thinking mullet, I'm thinking Rick Smith's man. That's that's the go to elite mullet. Oh, I, I I see. I thought he was putting it with guys. I thought he had the mullet for Larry Bird. Oh, no, he had Larry Bird mustache. Oh, see, yeah. I thought he had Raleigh fingers mustache. Well, he just had the Raleigh fingers look, which I, I think would be his mustache, too. I think okay, that's a different okay. style mustache okay. as opposed to Larry Bird, little blonde mustache. Yeah, that's cool. uh, you got the disgusting 90s reliever goatee. Yep. You've got the world be freestyle bald afro. Kind of love that, actually. Uh, then he had said full Marvin Barnes afro, but then he has corrected himself in this tweet and says uh, Darnell Hillman. Okay, well, 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 it's going to change my ranking because I put Marvin Barnes at the bottom because I said, even I wrote myself a note because he really didn't have a full afro. Darnell Hillman and Dr. J sure did. There you go. Pete Rose bowl cut <laughs> and uh, Richie Farmer's whole look. All right, so I'm going to amend my list. So I'm going to go worst to best. He asked me to go best to worst, but I like to go from, from bottom to top. Do it. All right, at the bottom of my list, that, that 90s reliever goatee look was just awful. I, I think goatees in general just don't look good. Just horrible. Yeah. That, 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 that. One of the funniest things I've seen in a while is uh, a group of Barstool guys who do a radio show. The last week that they were on Sirius before their Sirius deal expired, even though they already knew it had expired, they decided to make it goatee week because they were going to intimidate Sirius into keeping them. And I mean, honestly, seeing a group of men all with goatees together, awesome. you you'd think they were going to storm the Capitol the next day. It is uh, an automatic sign that like these guys are unhinged. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, so I had I had Larry because Larry Bird also kind of had a mullet, so I put him in the mullet category. So yeah, I'm kind of with you. I I kind of think of the Detlef Shrimp. It's the, it's the '90s NBA white player was the mullet guy, right? Rick Smith has, Rick Smith's, in my yeah. opinion, the most beautiful flowing got a little curl to it but yet is a true mullet yeah i'm gonna put that actually i'm gonna put the larry bird mustache next on the worst list i mean that was a bad that's bad that looks it it looks like it's just awful there's there's nothing any good about it the kid from oklahoma that's doing it is just yes crazy a train wreck yeah train wreck he's the larry bird look i mean larry larry was not the best looking cat in the world to begin with and that just accentuated it as did the mullet and he had the mullet too going oh yeah so yeah, then I'll put the mullet just ahead of Larry Bird, and 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 no matter who you want to go with that, right above that I'm going to put Al Hiboski 
with his Fu Manchu look, look, trying to look like a badass. And honestly, he was a very average relief pitcher who thought he was really good. He's the guy that would go behind the mound, try to psych himself up and then slap the, the ball into the glove and come on the mound and stare you down with the Fu Manchu and throw his 89 mile an hour fastball and wasn't all that great in my opinion. Right above Al Rabassi comes the Pete Rose bowl cut. And listen, as someone as a child of the, of the, of the 60s who grew up in the 70s, I'm not going to lie to you. I had a bowl cut. I did. It just, it's what you had. And if you played baseball, you put a baseball cap on and nobody really saw it. So while, again, I'm not putting Pete's bowl cut up there high, Rick, it's about middle of the pack for me just because it's what you did in that era. Yeah, but God dang, did Pete Rose look so bad. Dude, we all did. I hate I, my mother for it to this day. God rest her soul. I know, that but was, it's not that even was just the, that his, was the cut. It's not even just his haircut. It was his like aesthetic with his haircut. That, Dude, if you can go back and look at my probably freshman high school picture with a bowl cut and kind of the cheesy, um, the the, the cheesy uh, Larry Birdish peach fuzz mustache, it's like what what are you what what were you thinking? What are you doing? Yeah, I, I I could see that, but I you know to be quite honest, I didn't really think when I, when I'm like let me flash back to what Richard Skinner looked back in his heyday. I didn't think smooth operator stud to be quite no, honest good, with you. I figured call. you probably looked more like Pete Rose. Yeah, I did. We all did. Everybody did. Everybody had that haircut. Why was he not just rocking like a crew cut or a flat top? That's well, where he, I, he, he seems he, like a flat. Yeah, actually, guy. yeah, he actually did in the sixties. I mean, he, he did wear that in the sixties, and then it just the seventies were the kind of everybody was doing different stupid looking things. Dude, how anybody wore the clothes they wore back in the sixties? I still don't get. I love to watch movies from the fifties and sixties, and you look back, you're like, those people look really good. And then somehow in the seventies, we just look like ass. I don't know how anybody. With with flared jeans and flared pants and just we, uh, silk shirts, it was just awful. You, you know, awful. It's, that's like looking back on the early two thousands, like my era of high school and teenagers and college kids, where everyone was wearing like two X shirts, yes. baggy yes. jeans, yes. half off their ass. Like yes. that that those pictures from that time are just incredibly stupid and hilarious <laughs> for anyone in that like. 14 your pants to up. 20 age group. Yeah. Just look ridiculous. Where did you have Richie Farmer's whole look? Oh, I, I, hang on. I'm not, I'm not, oh, okay, okay. I'm not okay. going there. I'm not going there. All right. So number, number four on my list is the world be free. Look, I love me some world be free. Real name is Lloyd, but changed his name to world be free. Was a, was a freewheeling guard back in the seventies, early, maybe he got to the early eighties, but love me some world be free in his look. He kind of had the, he did kind of have the, uh, the sleek look, but he also kind of had the hair on the side at one point, kind of, you know, the, it, it, in theory, I call it the George Jefferson look, but he looked good with it. He looked really good with it. So I'm going to go world be free. Number three is the Richie Farmer look. And the reason I say it is this, and maybe it's just because I, 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 I like nostalgic things. I saw Richie Farmer play in the state tournament as an eighth grader at Clay County High School, rocking a full beard as an eighth grader. And that's how everybody came. That's how he became so famous. It's like, A, here's a kid who's in the eighth grade starting in a state tournament game. And his team actually went pretty far that year and he's got a full beard. And then he drove home from the game. <laughs> no, then he went and bought beers for everybody. I'm not sure how you, how you would exactly describe Richie farmer's hair. I'm uh, looking at it right now. I'm not sure what, what that look would be described as kind of the feathered look. That's kind of that. That was kind of that yeah. era too. <laughs> feathered. I like that. I, I had feathered. I had feathered hair after I had my belt bowl cut. You went from bowl cut to feathered hair to, to, to partner it on the side making it just a simple look. 
So Richie, Richie Farmer comes in there. Raleigh Fingers comes in second with that handlebar mustache. It does look stupid, but my man pulled it off. He just pulled it off. He just, he just, he, it looked right for him for some reason. I yeah. don't know why, but it just looked right for a guy named Raleigh Fingers. That's what a Raleigh Fingers should look like. That's a self-awareness play. Yes. He knew with a name like Raleigh Fingers and with his look to begin with, that was going, he was going to be able to pull that off. Yes. Now, in, in fairness, um, a lot of those A's of that era, a lot of those Oakland athletics, and that's who we played with originally before then he, he went to the Padres and then the Brewers, et cetera, and, and uh, became a Hall of Famer. Uh, their, their owner, Charlie Finley, actually paid the players to grow mustaches because um, he, he wanted them to have a certain look. And so Raleigh Fingers decided, all right, I'll grow a mustache. I'll make it a handlebar. And then I think he realized this looks good for me. I'm going to rock this look the rest of my life, basically. And he pulled it off and he looks great. If it was Mike Fingers and he right. didn't have that big nose and, you know, kind of goofy looking face, then it's like, yeah, no, you can't have that mustache. But if you're Raleigh Fingers and you sure. have that kind of goofy look to you, absolutely grow out and, the handlebar mustache. And he owned it. That's the part. He owned yes. that look. Yes. So you got to you got to respect that. I do. All right. And so then to number one, and it changes everything, because as I mentioned, your guy had it wrong with Marvin Barnes because he never rocked the full fro. So I had that bottom of the list. But when he changed it to his credit, Darnell Hillman was my man back in the 70s playing for the Indiana Pacers. That was my guy. I loved because Dar- not only was Darnell Hillman rocking the big fro, but Darnell Hillman was one of the great early dunkers. Um, you know, when the dunk contest started coming along in the 70s and the ABA did it, while Dr. J and David Thompson were arguably the two greatest dunkers, Darnell Hillman was right up there and plus rocking that fro. And I made you look up Darnell Hillman before we started the podcast for that reason. And his, and, and his fro is better than Dr. J's. No question. And yeah. the only thing with Dr. J is Dr. J w- was seen more often because he was a better player in an era where there wasn't a lot of highlights of ABA basketball. Many of the highlights that were ABA basketball were Dr. J's. Now I got to tell you when Dr. J cut the fro down, Dr. J looked good too. I mean, Dr. J's just, he's, he's, he was, he is still the man to this day. Um, but yeah, Darnell Hillman rocking that fro, number one on my list. And I do, that does take me to a Marvin Barnes story, by the way. God rest, God rest his soul. And this is a true story. Bob Costas wrote this in a, in a, in a book. So Bob Costas used to do, one of his, his first broadcasting professional job was the Spirit of St. Louis ABA team. And back in those days, there was a team in, in Kentucky, the, the Kentucky Colonels who were based in Louisville. And Marvin was a weird cat. Marvin was often fine for being late. Marvin was a great player, great talent, but just had had, you know, drinking issues, drug issues, um, getting on time issues as one does. Yes. So they were one morning flying back and back in those days, teams flew commercial. So he was he was getting ready to board a flight from from Louisville back to St. Louis. And he looked at the departure time, which was like 630 a.m. And he saw that they were getting to St. Louis at 622 a.m. And he said, man, I'm renting me a car. I ain't getting on no time machine. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't board the flight. That's outstanding. <laughs> that's outstanding. Uh, and nobody, I guess, could tell him, dude, there's a time change. But that's that's okay, Look, Marv. It, you, you, if, do you, you do you, Marv. A guy who's talking about time machines. I and ain't getting is, on no time machine. Probably clearly on something at that time, considering yep, the, yep, time the time of day. About. Yes, yes. Uh, you can't tell that you can't explain a time change to that guy or time no, zones. That's, that's not correct. going that's, to happen. No, that's correct. Not There's no logic to it at that point. You, go, you do, know what? Go rent your car. I do want to go back to your world. Be free talk. Have you seen his protege who plays at Cleveland state? Michi Baldhead Terry. 
No. Has he got the, almost a similar look? Yeah, this so this kid and, and he actually went viral. I don't you might have seen him. We may have even talked about this where there was a kid played at St. Ed's, I believe, up in Ohio, and he played against LaMelo Ball's team in high school. And he was at LaMelo Ball's neck, Ding him up, getting in his grill, picking his pocket, going the other way, like finishing, yelling at LaVar Ball sitting courtside during the game. Kid went viral because he was just like a total dynamo electric factory. And meanwhile, he had the worst hairline you've ever seen a teenage kid in your entire life. But the best part about it is he doesn't shave it or anything. Like he was playing at Cleveland State this year. NKU, we went up there for the road trip. And uh, Jim Kelch is just like, this guy looks like he's in his mid 40s. He's just, I mean, he's, it's balding and he's got the, the horseshoe just growing out around his head. It is hey, un- just, just own it. And he some, does. Sometimes you just got, you just got to own it. Yeah. His whole uh, social media feeds are all like Michi bald head, Terry. He just yeah. owns it. Another great, I, I love lists. So if you guys got lists, keep them coming. I love me some lists. Those are fun. Well, yeah, we, we, the, the lists have, have done well for us. And, and Mo said he will be back with another one soon as well. Uh, two more questions real quick. If Skinny could be the head coach at any of the local D1 college basketball programs, UC, Xavier, NKU, UD, Miami, LOL, which would he choose? Taking into consideration facilities, ability to recruit, conference, expectations, pressure to win, history, fan support, et cetera. I think I'd take Xavier. I do. I think I'd take Xavier. Because my only fear for UC is if football got so big, and I don't know if it's going to do that, but it's and, and and they can certainly coexist and they have. And I just, I don't know, Xavier for me, I love the Cintas Center. I like the Big East. I think you can recruit to all of those things. You can recruit to the city. Um, now, you see certainly upgrading their facility has helped them, but you're recruiting to the American. You, you may be on a good year. Um, you better hope you don't finish fourth in the league because you might not get in, whereas the Big East – I can go nine and I, well, in a normal year where you play 18 games, I can go nine and nine in the league and probably make the tournament. Um, I think I'm taking Xavier. Yeah. I mean, I, unless you have some type of connection or just love for, I like the, the Mi- I like the Miami LOL, by the way. Yeah. NKU UD. I mean, again, the Miami LOL is what it is, but unless you had some type of weird connection to one of those schools, you're not, I mean, you're going to uh, coach at the highest level, I would assume. So it comes down to UC or Xavier. And then between those two, uh, let's just, I mean, you don't want to have to be recruiting to UC. You don't have, to. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's a terrible situation, but if you have your option to recruit to the big East as a, as a conference or the American as a conference, that's right. really a no brainer decision. Correct. I mean, that's Correct. pretty simple. And, and listen, I, I know that every fan base has sometimes unrealistic expectations. And I know you're probably going to slap me. For, I, and, and I'm sure there's a segment of the Xavier one that certainly does. I know there is, but I don't think it's, it's, is it completely irrational, that fan base? I don't think it is. No, I mean, like you said, they all have their irrational people in them. At this point, I think pretty much all fans are irrational. I, heck, I read comments from NKU fans, and I'm like, what the hell planet am I on? Like, we just became Division One. What are we talking about here? Yeah, yeah. The expectations are just ridiculous for, for sports fans in general. So I've come to, to live with that. Uh, last question here. If you could arrange a Super Bowl halftime show with at least three musical acts, Understanding that the idea would be to appeal to a mass audience, which acts would you choose and what would the set list be? Oh, for heaven's sakes. Um, man, I have no idea. Cause see, I, I love when the stones did halftime and my kids tuned it out. So you're, you're, you're probably asking the wrong guy from a, from a young perspective. 
Um, this is from our guy, Mo Egger, by the way. Yeah, I honestly, that I, that's 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 too hard for me because I've got my personal likes, but I realize those are not going to be the likes of the main demographics that are watching the Super Bowl. Well, who would be your uh, personal likes that you would throw out there? I mean, the, the, the Stones, because I watched them and I love them. I thought they were they were great. Um, holly, is that the best? Is that the best uh, Super Bowl halftime show? Well, it is for me, but it isn't for a lot of people, for sure. Well, I'm asking um, you. You know what? Nelly, bring me out some old Nelly. The Nelly show was great. I'm the, a big Nelly fan. Yeah, uh, the the Nelly with uh, Britney Spears and Aerosmith back in the day was maybe the most memorable Super Bowl halftime performance show of my lifetime that I can recall. Yeah, I'm, I'm a well, big fan. I okay, okay. Gee, that is actually, I've said a lot of dumb things on the air before, but me overlooking the Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake sure, Super Bowl halftime sure. show was, that's the dumbest thing I've ever said. Yeah, and I don't want that to come back either. Um, no, although uh, JT has since come back and did a good job. You know what? And, and Aerosmith Live is outstanding. So I, I guess I'd put Aerosmith in that group. That, Aerosmith Live is fabulous. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. So those are my three. I'm going Stones, Nelly, Aerosmith. Stones, Nelly. That would be quite the mashup to see all three of those together at the same time. Yeah, I probably should put a female in there somewhere, but I just, nah. And I know the demographic probably suggests I should. I mean, I should I put you, should I put Taylor Swift in there just cause? No, because I hate her. I um, like a I like the idea of a Nelly Beyonce Aerosmith. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm not a big Beyonce fan, but I get that. I'm oh, fine. I am. I, I I get that. I I that would be. I think that would appeal to some. That would appeal to the demo of my age, even even because the Stones went for have gone for so long. You can get people older than me who still love the Stones. You can get people my age. You can get people probably down into their mid to high 30s that got turned on to some stones late you got nelly who you can argue you know early 2000s through what 15 ish yeah level of relevancy so there's that age group and beyonce to the female demographic well I, let's be very clear that she is or j-lo or j-lo or J- well. well or j-lo yeah, she's getting a little pet. Like our, J-Lo didn't have the staying power and the relevance right now. No, like Beyonce fair. still puts out fire songs that go number one, like among the young kids right, and everyone. Right, right. And she still has all those classic hits that people will know. So to me, Beyonce is, is a big win. I thought she was great when she had the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, that was several years back now, but she, she was good. If you wanted every middle-aged white guy and media member to enjoy it, you just invite Springsteen. I mean, that's a pretty well, easy win. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's part I, of it. That, that, I, that's probably what Mo was was hinting at because I know Mo's a big Springsteen fan. Yeah, yeah. I just don't get but the you know, Springsteen but, but you, thing, but, man. But, but, I'm sorry. But, but, but you know what? You know what's funny? Um, my my goddaughter's um, uh, cousin. She's probably in her early thirties, and probably because her dad was a big Spring. She's a huge Springsteen fan. So I mean, they're, they're, I think. There's some of that too, where you do kind of like a little bit at times what what your what your dad and mom might like if you're listening in the car. You don't always because my dad loved jazz. And it's funny I didn't like jazz, but now I'm turned on to the PBS documentary about jazz, and I love it. Um, but you know, back then I just it wasn't my genre. But yeah, I, I'm kind of I'm not a huge Springsteen guy. It wouldn't it wouldn't upset me for him to do Super Bowl. I mean, there's so many recognizable songs that I could sit there and hum along or, you know, just kind of listen, but yeah, it, it I'm kind of indifferent on the subject matter as well. And which I'm going to guess Mo is going to hear this and probably his jaw will drop and he'll be really sad. And I'm sorry, Mo, but I'm kind of with you. I've never got the complete Gaga over Springsteen. 
Yeah, it's just weird to me how many people like really love him when to me he's very I like him. I generic like him. sounding and very seen, I've seen I've seen vanilla. him live. Yeah, yeah, I've seen him live. Um I like him, but I just I don't go gaga over it. I don't it's not like it's not like a seminal moment for me when yeah. he's performing. Does does nothing for me. Uh one I'll I'll throw this one out there. I don't think a lot of people would peg me for this, but I from a female perspective, I'm a big Jennifer Hudson guy. I love really? Jennifer Hudson's voice. Great voice. Yeah, she's got yeah. great voice. There's no question. Unreal voice. Like, I get goosebumps when, when yep. I hear her saying. She did the voice with Tom Green. and or Not Tom Green. Uh, Tom, say, uh, Tom, 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 Tom like, Green's the like, comedian. Like, like Crazy Tom. Yeah, like Crazy Tom Green. That yeah, was with very, uh, cancer. Dreamer, right? um, yeah. With Tom, uh, Tom Jones. Excuse me. Those two sang a few duets together where it's just like elite. And I'm sorry when the weekend comes on, I will uh, I will be I will be spending my weekend somewhere else for those period of time. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the weekend very much. Definitely. Uh, but, One of the yeah. best live shows I've been to. And, and I just hope I'm alive. I'm getting my second Pfizer shot on Sunday and I've heard the second one gets you a little or Saturday rather. And oh, knock you down skinny, for a bit. no. Yeah. I mean, um, you're going to be my, like sweating it out on the couch. That's my that, that's up. my fear. Now, I did ask the lady after the first one. Am I allowed to have an alcoholic drink? She goes, yeah, you can do anything you want to do. Um, she goes, it might knock you out. I said, well, that's fine. And it did. The first one didn't get me a ton. It, it had me down for about 12 hours, with a little bit of a fever. But this one's supposed to get you a little more, which is OK, because I, I I'm getting it Saturday at 145. And I'm hoping by about kickoff a Super Bowl, it starts to wear itself away. And if not, I'm just going to be lying around anyway. So what the hell? You won't miss it. You'll be sleeping. <laughs> yeah, good call. Yeah, I, ho- I hope not. Because we have a podcast to do that afternoon, too, by the way. At some point, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Yeah, good yeah. call. All right. All right. Good That's stuff. all I got. All right. Appreciate the questions as always. Keep them coming. We do love those. It's a great part of the, the podcast for, uh, don't forget. We'll have our college basketball podcast actually this Sunday, Chad, Brendel, Rick, myself. Um, and we've got some college basketball. We think to talk about UC's back playing again. Supposed to play tonight. Yeah. Recording this and, on Thursday. Sunday. and Sunday. And thank God they decided to get their head out of their ass and play at noon instead of six o'clock right before the Super Bowl. Oh, they did. Yeah, I didn't it, see that. Good for Chad. He was very upset about that. I, I can't say I blame him. That might have been one of the dumbest damn decisions ever. So we'll be back uh, Sunday with our, our college basketball podcast. So I hope you can join us. Thanks for being with us. For Rick Roaring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast. And we keep both of you.